0: Sell, Charlotte Sports Live.
1: Four days and counting until the Panthers hit the practice field for the first time at training camp. All eyes will be on newly signed number one pick Bryce Young and, of course, new head coach Frank Reich. Welcome into Charlotte Sports Live. We thank you for joining us. Grace Grill and Mike Lisette with you, and we've got we've got a pretty packed show.
0: Yeah, we got Will Conkel, Willie P. They're just ahead take, talking training camp and Charlotte FC. But before we get to that first practice, Grace, players and coaches are starting to arrive in Spartanburg. Before we get to that, Bryce Young, big day, he had his rookie contract to sign. Panthers posted this photo of a number nine doing just that today. Young and Carolina agreed to a four-year fully guaranteed deal on Friday worth $37.9 million. Young fellow rookies and undrafted free agents arrived at Wofford College today. That's where Shakira Speaks was, and he joins us from Spartanburg tonight.
2: We're just over seven weeks away from the Carolina Panthers kicking off its season against the Atlanta Falcons. But the boys in black and blue have to warm up first in training camp. And even though the whistle won't blow until Wednesday, rookies still reported today. Here's a look at the number one pick Bryce Young heading into the facility this morning. Guard Chandler Zavala, wide receiver Jonathan Mingo, edge rusher DJ Johnson, and safety Jamie Robinson joined Young this morning. The tents are ready, the flags are flying, and the equipment is set up and the grass is ready for football. On Friday, the new quarterback signed his rookie contract. It's a four-year, nearly $38 million deal with a massive signing bonus that's reportedly for $24 million. In his first season with the team, he gets $25.3 million, and the deal includes a fifth-year option in 2027. While rookies reported today, veterans clock in on Tuesday and new head coach Frank Reich will hold his first practice on Wednesday at 1015 in the morning. During training camp, the Panthers will meet the New York Jets, who will also have a new quarterback with Aaron Rodgers under center for two days of joint practices on August 9th and 10th. In total, they'll have 12 full practices before the preseason starts. Now, next Saturday, this campus will be packed with hundreds of fans for the Panthers' annual Back Together Saturday event. Fans will be out having fun, playing games, buying merchandise, and experiencing performances by the Panthers Entertainment Group. That practice starts at 11 o'clock in the morning. Fan Fest is August 2nd, and that's at Bank of America Stadium, and those tickets are available for purchase right now. For now, reporting in Spartanburg, Shakira Speaks, Charlotte Sports Live. All
1: right, thank you, Shakira. So, some housekeeping news from the black and blue today. The team adding four players to its active physically unable to play list, the as they call it, guards Austin Corbett and Chandler Zavala, along with defensive lineman John Penasini and Jalen Redmond. Players can be activated from this list at any time during camp.
0: And as we told you, the first step of training camp is complete. Rookies have arrived next up, Vets Tuesday, and then, my goodness, Wednesday, 12 practices. The first of 12 practices ahead of preseason game number one. Now, let's check in with Will Kunkel and Willie P. Let's talk Panthers. What are you looking for?
3: There's a hundred different ways to ask this question. We've done it all here the last couple weeks because we're trying to fill time. What are you looking for? Who needs to have the biggest training camp, et cetera, et cetera. What are your thoughts?
4: I'm curious about how the Austin Corbett hole on the offensive Mm. line gets filled. I understand that he might work his way back and be there somewhere in the early first quarter of the season, but... Who hits in that right guard spot, I think, is a very fascinating debate. I also wonder about the switch to the 3-4 on defense. You know, as Jero Evero was one of the more celebrated hires of Frank Reich over the course of this offseason, people have wondered how the Panthers are going to adjust to that, especially from a pass rush standpoint. We've always talked about, you know, Brian Burns trying to get his money. Whether or not that happens, I think, also is a very intriguing part of this offseason. But. What happens on that opposite side? feels like we've been asking that question longer than we asked the question about left tackle in this city. So I feel like there's definitely an intrigue to that part of it. And I also wonder about the corner depth as well. You know, when does J.C. Horn get himself back on the field? I know we've heard all the good things about whether or not he's making his rehab happen and whether or not he can be full strength by the time the start of the season hits. But I also wonder about the guys behind him because we know what happened last year when both he and Dante went down. That depth was exposed, unfortunately.
3: I want to do some pr- some parentalism, if you will, and protect some of the fans when it comes to Bryce Young. He is not going to light this league on fire his rookie year.
4: Notice I and didn't not be- mention Bryce Young right away <laughs> because I think there's going to be a calculated, I think, start when it comes to him. And I understand that folks want to see him out there opening week. I, I don't think that there is a, a scenario that develops that he's not the starting quarterback in Atlanta, but... I do feel like there's going to be some protection of him by Thomas Brown, Frank Reich, Josh McCown, and this offense. You're going to see them run the ball a lot, I think, early. And I think that's very much by design to make sure that, hey, we're not exposing this kid to too much early in
3: his rookie season. You're going to put him in a position to succeed, not go out there and try to run this offense as if he's a 10 year veteran. And when I say he's not going to light the league on fire this year, what I'm saying is he's a rookie. He's never done the NFL no rookies come in maybe rg3 came in and really took over a team and dominate not dominated but had a really big year there was a year. Short,
4: but there was a short shelf life on that
3: exactly it was a very sh- short life and i mean we've seen some of the best of the best struggle that's what the nfl does to you there's an adjustment period so i'm not saying they aren't going to be good but it's
4: going to be like this all year long and that early schedule has got some some potential triple points minnesota's part of that mm-hmm. you got a couple of division games in there it, it's not an easy road to start no. for the panthers in September and October, but if they can weather that early storm, there's a lot of winnable games on the back end of that schedule, hopefully when he's maturing into that NFL-ready quarterback that could put the Panthers in position to not only make a playoff run, but maybe even win the division.
3: Finally, your favorite topic, the turf over at Bank of America the Stadium. The turf war!
4: The turf war!
3: So, the ru- not, it's no longer a rumor. Charlotte FC says they will not switch out the turf for grass, especially when Lionel Messi comes in town with Miami on October 21st. Is this the right move?
4: Well, I think we're having two separate discussions. I think there are a lot of Charlotte FC fans that want to see them, you know, just put the turf up there and leave it there. I I don't Mm -hmm. think that's something that they're feasibly going to do. I also feel like there's a separate discussion of, are you going to do everything possible to cater to this one player? I think Charlotte FC has got to protect themselves in a way because if this is going to take place, why would you help out your opponent on decision day the
3: 100% that. Like, I'm amazed at how many f- – it's an interesting thing we don't see in American sports usually. No. Like, if Patrick Mahomes came in town and he didn't play, fans would kind of be like, this is awesome. Here's a win against a team we probably wouldn't get one against. And Lionel yeah. Messi, it's like, this is baloney, this is BS. I'm not going to the game if he doesn't and- play. And it's like, well, don't you want that win, especially late in the season?
4: And, and I don't want to – and I've been bantering people on Twitter over the last couple days, and I, I want to put out there – I'm sympathetic to the fan who is out there and had bought tickets – with the assumption of seeing Messi, but we've also not seen him really say anything publicly about this. Very that it's all an assumption, and I honestly think there's a little bit of posturing coming here from Commissioner Don Garber. And I'm not trying to throw shade at the man upstairs, but what he's sitting there and saying is some of the same type of intonations that he's been talking about when it comes to multi-purpose facilities and grass versus turf. This is more of his own posturing scenario to try and get those guys to make permanent changes. Atlanta's already come out and said they're not changing Mm -hmm. for their match in September. Uh, New England is another squad in the Eastern Conference that he would definitely see next season. They've not made any necessarily uh, intonations on whether or not they're going to switch or not. There's three of the teams in the Western Conference that have turf fields. I just honestly think, Will, the the conversation of everything around Inter-Miami I'm wondering if it's a thing where we're looking at the league right now and saying the league is bending over backwards and around the corner. They've done everything except hold Messi's bags going onto the field in terms of that first game. So I honestly feel like this is a scenario from Atlanta and Charlotte's perspective that I applaud them for at least standing on the ground and saying, you know what, our field is turf. You like it, play on it. If not, tough noogies.
3: It's an interesting spot because Garber kind of put Charlotte FC under the bus and then backed over them a couple times because they didn't have to come out with a statement and have this whole hub of blue if it wasn't for Garber. At the same time, Tepper's in a difficult spot because he has done so much for the city with that turf, whether sure. it be Luke Holmes, a high school football game, the ACC games, the Duke's Mayo game. You and, don't have to replace it all the time,
4: and I and I want to also say something about that because people have 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 pulled the quote out a lot, and you know the quote from David Tepper where he said, "Oh, you know, I brought music back to Charlotte," and they've tried to throw that. It it's barbs. a disingenuous. It's knock very disingenuous. Because it's not. And, and honestly, yeah. this would have happened with a multi-purpose facility without concerts. By the way, mm-hmm. and you and I have been here long enough. We've seen what Charlotte, with uh, that grass, does. In a week where you have to use it more times than just once. Oh. The ACC Championship yeah. game it's and wrecked. the Panther game on the same weekend was always murderous on the Panthers. Mm-hmm. And you saw the sod, it looked ugly, it didn't play well. And that's not a knock on the groundskeepers at Bank of America Stadium, who are some of the best in the country. It's very difficult to resod that grass. Anytime you resod it, it gets less reliable. And to sit there and put down, I think, $900,000 is what the last estimate I saw for one game for Messi like that. I I know that they've done it for other exhibitions in the past. It seems a bit disingenuous to do that and then pull it up for the Panthers and Charlotte FC. Well, exactly, because
3: Shaq and the boys have talked about this endlessly. The NFL players want it to be grass. So if you change it to grass for someone that's not even on your payroll
4: mm-hmm.
3: like what kind of message does that send so I kind of I give and, credit to Tepper to having his decision and sticking with his
4: decision because that's what it is and the and the Chelsea and Gold Cup things like like those are separate entities those separate entities that require grass there's nothing in the MLS bylaws that requires you to play on grass mm-hmm. there's nothing because there's six teams that don't so in my mind it's just it seems like it's a bit of a bridge too far for them to take, and, and I applaud them for standing their ground.
3: This will fire people up, and it'll fire par- probably you up, but it also speaks to the volume of where MLS stands on the totem pole of desire and, re- and you know want in the United States because they are using NFL stadiums. They don't all have their own quite yet.
4: They don't all. I mean, and here's the other thing. People who are sitting there and saying that they want a soccer-specific stadium in Charlotte, like... All that's going to do is drive up the price. Look what's happening in Austin right now. You can't get into an Austin FC game, and they're at the bottom of the table right now in the Western Conference in their second season. You can't get into those games for less than $100. The fact that that Charlotte FC still has games where you can get in for $15 because of the capacity that's in Bank of America Stadium, I think just stands to the demand that's there in this city. I think why would you want to shutter that demand? Why would you want to cut that off? It seems like cutting off your nose to spite your face.
3: What better way to end a conversation than when simple economics, easy for me to say. Supply and demand, my brother. Really appreciate you.
1: Always love it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thank you, fellas. So the MLS season has come to a pause for the 2023 Leagues Cup, which for the first time features all 29 MLS teams and Liga MX team. The Crown making its Leagues Cup debut last night against FC Dallas. Remember, Charlotte has not won a match since late May and since then have gone 0-0 five and three so I'm not sure if this is considered a good thing or bad thing for Charlotte at this point but there are no ties in League Cup play Dallas would get on the board first in the 45th minute but the crown answers back in the second half Carol Swiderski converting on a penalty to equalize the match but Dallas FC responds 15 minutes later to take a 2-1 lead and then in extra time how about that Ashley Westwood with a beautiful ball to Ben Bender and you betcha, it is 2-2, but no ties, remember? So we go to penalties. Christian Kalina, a brick wall. Charlotte would win it in penalties 4-1. to in the crown, back in the win column for the first time since May 27th. I am very proud of the, the way our boys play. It's play away from home against a team like Dallas. In this way, I've, we look at Dallas. I saw a few games. I haven't seen many teams come in here playing. play like that against uh, against them the crown continues league cup action a week from today against Nicaragua at bank of america stadium
0: the u.s women's national team began their quest for a three-peat last night opening cup world cup play against vietnam a 3-0 final in favor of the u.s we now turn it over to fox sports jenny tap with more from down under
1: The U.S. women's national team beat Vietnam 3-0 in their World Cup opener in Auckland, New Zealand, and the star of the show, U.S. forward Sophia Smith. The 22-year-old became the youngest player ever to score multiple goals for the United States in their World Cup opener, and I caught up with the young star after the match.
2: I mean, I think I went into it feeling just about every emotion possible. I was nervous, anxious, excited, but... You know, getting a few touches, getting the ball under my foot, I felt more calm and felt like myself. And, yeah, I think we came out on the front foot, put away a few chances, and could play the game that we wanted to play.
1: The United States was pleased with their three goals, but it was very clear in talking to many of the veterans after the match they wanted more. There is still much to improve upon before they face the Netherlands midweek in Wellington. With the U.S. Women's National Team in Auckland, New Zealand, I'm Jenny Taft. Looking forward to that. So, a former Campbell Camel making his big league debut for the Braves in Milwaukee tonight. Those highlights are on deck.
0: And ahead of ACC media days this coming week in Charlotte, we're hearing from Carolina coaches on the hottest topic circulating around college football right now. N I L. More Charlotte sports live on the other side.
1: All right, I love this, former Campbell Camel, Alan Winans making his Major League debut on the mound today for the Braves in Milwaukee. He had a nice debut, we'll get to that in a minute. But you know who else had a nice day? That guy. Top of the third, Austin Riley with a rocket to left center field. His fifth straight game with a home run, which ties the longest streak in Braves history. And he's got him up 3-0. All right, back to Winans. He tossed four scoreless innings before giving up two runs in the fifth. Five hits, one walk, and five strikeouts through, four and a third for Winans in his Major League debut. Not too bad. Unfortunately, he would not be able to get the win, and neither would the Braves. They fall 4-3 to Milwaukee.
0: Folks, it is talking season in college football, and this coming week, it's the ACC's turn at the podium. ACC Media Days begin Tuesday at the West in, in Uptown our state coaches meeting up in raleigh earlier this week at the bill dooley Pigskin preview luncheon you got mac brown mike elko dave thorn and eastern carolinas mike houston in attendance and no one's surprised the hot topic was how to manage name image and likeness concerns that have turned college football into the good old wild wild west
4: i think we were all in agreement that the student athletes deserved a little bit more piece of the pie than what they were getting but I don't know if this open free market NIL was what any of us anticipated.
0: We all want a level playing field is what we want and uh, we want somehow for there to be federal legislation that allows us an opportunity to have oversight in this space and I think that's where it's really challenging is 50 states have 50 laws.
4: If we don't have a national standard then what we're going to do is we're we're gonna we'll never see college sports uh, like we've seen it before. We're gonna have 12 that have more money than everybody else, and those 12 are gonna be having the best players. They're gonna be in the 12-team playoff, and nobody else.
0: Yeah, I don't think anyone wants that. We'll certainly hear more about this when media days gets going on Tuesday. Duke, they're gonna take the podium Wednesday. Then Clemson, North Carolina, NC State, Wake Forest, they are here Thursday a historic round at the Open Championship. Coming up, we're gonna break down John Rahm's day and tell you where he stands going into the final round.
2: Once you make it to finals,
0: you feel like you're already in.
1: It is really hard to make this team on your first try. It just is, because they're so talented.
0: When you get that email that and your
1: name's not on the list. I think it kind of added a layer not making it.
2: I respect the fact that I haven't done it. There are people that are on their fourth or fifth audition. To not give up and to come back shows that you wanted, it shows that you are determined.
1: The timing has to be right for them, right? It has to be the right team for them to be on. Now I have that chip on my shoulder, kind of in the best way of I've unfinished
0: business. I got to go back and I got to get my place.
2: How could I not want to be a part of this? How bad do you want it?
0: All right, let's go across the pond for round three of the Open Championship. John Rahm coming from out of nowhere. We joined him on 16 and by this point, he was cooking. This was his seventh birdie of the day. He'd get one more on 18, finished with a course record of 63 after going eight under today, however, he is still a bit behind the leader. That is Brian Harmon. He's closing in on his first ever major championship after going two under today, twelve under for the tournament, six shots better than Rom, five better than fellow American Cameron Young. On to the track after surviving some bad weather in New Hampshire. New Hampshire NASCAR is now in Grace Country. Grace Country? Yes, you. Eh,
1: Not exactly my hometown, but close enough. Tomorrow, the boys are in the Poconos, taking on the track known as the Tricky Triangle. Today was qualifying for the HivePoint.com 400. After winning the Crayon 301 to move atop the NASCAR point standings just days ago, Martin Truex Jr. put himself in great position for another victory. The driver of the 19 ended up with the second fastest time today in PA. The only guy who did it better was the person right behind him in points. That would be William Byron who grabbed his third pole position of the season. Tomorrow's race begins at 2.30. All
0: right, here is a full look now at the standings. you got five guys in the top 16. Right now, they are looking for a win. Check out the cut line. Daniel Suarez is the point behind Michael McDowell. Only five races. Yes, only five races remaining before the regular season finale at Daytona. Now, in case you missed it, and we're sure you didn't because it was incredible, Lionel Messi Scoring in his MLS debut Friday, but not only that, it was the game winner for Inter Miami. How about that person? That script? is pretty nice. See what else is QC crown worthy next on CSL.
1: Alright, time to hand out some QC crowns. Brave fans, I'm sorry because we had to you had to go through this tonight. But mine is going to Sal Freelick. If you watch the game, you know why. Rookie for the Brewers making his big league debut against the Braves. He is the first player in Brewers history with three hits and two RBIs in his major league debut. And just the sixth player to do that in the last 25 seasons, just incredible. Stole a couple home runs, went three for three at the plate. It was fun to watch.
0: I'm taking a page out of your uh, book from my crown. The Reds going back, back, to back. Again, the Diamondbacks happened in the sixth, It would go on to win this one by the count of All
1: right, well. We're gearing up for Spartanburg and more baseball. We'll see you back here tomorrow night. For Mike Lissette, I'm Grace Grill.